The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My motto is, if you do what you always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your business with a Marsha's Musings. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. What does success look like? Even though we often know better, we tend to look at success as a straight line going from a low point A to a much higher point B. We like the straight line because it's orderly and simple to achieve, but that's not reality. Rather, entrepreneurial success is more of a squiggly line or wandering path that has bumps, curves, wrong turns, detours, and a host of other barriers. All the entrepreneurs who have been guests on the business edge have experienced difficulty in getting their business off the ground or growing it profitably. There are times when the road they chose looked so inviting and the path was clear as day, only to find out that once they started their journey, the trail they thought they were blazing turned out to be full of false hopes and dangerous obstacles. Also for some, it took years for their path to lead them to triumph while they watched others arrive much earlier and enjoy the payoffs that success brings. Among their lessons learned was first, you can create light at the end of the tunnel. The path will often not be well lit. You have to push your way through and figure out ways to make things work. And second, no matter how long and winding the path may seem, keep putting one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Listeners, however you define success, expect a messy path. Do you want an extra boost walking down that path? A simple assessment, the Entrepreneur Edge, can help you. Find out how by contacting me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972 
1-800-227-8281. You're listening to Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program, The Over and Under, a story of one's entrepreneur's journey with two tech startups. What is the over and under? It's a metaphor for two companies, one that was overfunded and the other underfunded. The results aren't what you think. In 1999, my guest, Charlie Onsmiller, armed with a co-founder and a PowerPoint, raised $4.2 million from top-tier venture firms. Three years later, the company failed spectacularly, despite having a product, a top-tier list of customers, and a reasonable revenue base. Now, fast forward to 2005. Charlie took a different approach. He had no business plan, no customers, no products, no capital. Rather, he set out to listen to the market, and the market told him how to build his business. Today, 11 years later, his company is one of the top business-to-business integration firms, supporting some of the largest companies in their mission-critical processes. This business was built on the idea that revenues must lead expenses. Learn why it's not a mere desire, it's an imperative. So, Charlie, welcome to the Business Edge. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Marsha. Happy to be here. Well, you know, I always start out with an entrepreneur for them to tell the listeners about their business. Why did you start it and what makes it unique? Well, well, Marcia, thanks for the the background information. The the company did, as you mentioned, just just had our eleventh birthday, and and what I can say is, eleven years later, the company does not look anything at all like it did eleven years ago. Um, we started out really as a as a consulting firm, and and the idea was we wanted to engage and talk to as many customers as possible and understand their needs. And and what we learned very quickly was what they were willing to write checks for. And and in my case. Uh, we also discovered very quickly that it was relatively easy to grow a business like that. We grew very quickly to about 50 people, then upwards to about 80 people. Mm. And I had a very large um, payroll, a lot of cash flow issues with that business, but we also had no external capital. Uh, about three years into that, we decided we, we wanted to get into the managed services side of, of uh, IT. And specifically, our customers kept telling us that they wanted to uh, have someone manage this potpourri of complex integrations mm-hmm. they have to manage with their customers and with their suppliers. Uh, it's a very difficult problem for them to deal with. It's an expensive problem. And uh, we ended up building um, a service and a set of products that address that need directly. So our, our real key was listening to those customers early on. Um, we evolved the business to be very, very um, tailored to what those customers were telling us. 
And in the process, we got more and more business, and we gained more and more credibility in the market that, that we serve. And at, with that credibility came more opportunities. We ended up acquiring um, some other companies in our space with our, our cash flow. And um, uh, it's really been an interesting ride because the first time I started a business, uh, we thought we had it all figured out from day one. We had a business plan with, with all of the answers uh, built in. This time we had no business plan, and we went out of the market and just just listened, quite frankly. And I think that's a really key point. Um, we sometimes get so involved with our own thoughts and what we think the, the customer wants that we forget. It's them we need to focus on. So I'm glad you, you brought that up because that's a key point that I like to get across to all our listeners. So now that you've given us some history, um, let's you know talk about personally what does it mean to be an entrep- entrepreneur? Um, what do you find most satisfying? <laughs> and then, you know, n- not so satisfying. <laughs> Well, you know, I get I get calls literally all the time from from people who are in corporate jobs, or they they want to they 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 call me up and say let's have coffee, have an idea, and I go great, and and they present this idea. In fact, one of my very good friends, he presented to me this absolutely beautiful business plan. It was bound. It it was you know it was you know probably seventy five or a hundred pages, and and I looked at it, and he 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 really couldn't describe the business to me in about thirty seconds, which is what you have to be able to do. And, you know, I flipped through it and, and I, you know, folded it back up and I handed it to him and I said, you know, <clears throat> I only know one thing about this business plan. And he said, what's that? I said, it's wrong. <laughs> and uh, he, he kind of looked really offended at me and I said, no, I said, let me, let me explain to you. Um, I lived through 9-11 owning a business. I lived through the downfall of 2008, 2009 owning a business and operating a business through that environment. I've seen uh, cloud technologies come. I've seen you know all kinds of different things come at us in the marketplace that you can't predict, quite frankly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I get a lot of, of people coming to me saying they want to be an entrepreneur, and they really have no idea what that means. They have no idea that it's 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 an all-in kind of thing for you, for your family, for your your spouse, for your 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 loved ones, for your friends. Everyone has to be all in. You can't just dabble with it. And, and and I don't think I really even understood that when I started this company. When I started my first company, I had investors to kind of back me up, which they ended up really not doing. <laughs> but uh, this this time, um, it was all on me. You know, I mortgaged the house. I'm the one who signed the line of credit with the bank. And I, and I have to tell people that they got to be prepared for that. And uh, I think most people aren't. So for, for me, um, that, that's one, one piece of it. Another piece of it is, um, comes, comes with the freedom of, mm-hmm. of defining the direction of the business. And, and for me, it's the power to say yes and the power to say no to what your business is going to do. Since we brought this business you know, through a completely different funding model, it's more of a bootstrap funding model, uh, we have complete say over the direction of the business. And in fact, um, we have occasionally, uh, in fact twice over 11 years, uh, fired a customer. And, mm-hmm. and that was something the first time I did that, it, it really went against all of my instincts, which was the customer's always right. The customer's always, well, these customers were abusive. They were uh, sucking the life out of our business. They weren't really paying on time. There were just a lot of problems with those customers. And when I finally got the, 
the gumption up to just you know tell them, hey, thanks, but no thanks. The, there was a collective sigh of relief in the business. So the the power to say no is something that is uh, I particularly in, enjoy in this. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of people starting companies they don't really realize that um, uh, you've got that power to say yes and to say no. And again, another key point that I heard you say that I've heard from others as well as personally, which is um, fire a client or fire a customer. If they're too demanding, if they're not paying on time, you know, whatever, if the, whatever it is, it gives you, it empowers you and empowers your business. Um, so you, you, you talked a bit about, you know, what are some of the um, satisfactions being, what is satisfying about being an entrepreneur, but let's go to some of the uh, challenges. Um, what were the top three challenges in getting your business off the ground and now growing it? And, you know, we've talked a little bit about this before. And um, so, you know, just start. What was the top one and then a couple of others? Well, I think first off, um, I, I mentioned the, the the need to be able to respond to the market and to be able to make a business um, what the market needs at a particular point in time. For for me, bringing talent into the business at the early stages of of that business was a particular uh, particularly difficult thing um, because here you are, you know. In my case, I, I had myself in a chair at the back of my lawyer's office and a, and a laptop, and here I was trying to convince you know people smarter than me to come into the business, which is absolutely essential. So I found the the sales skills that are are necessary to bring people into that kind of environment and sort of jump on that train with you in the early phases mm-hmm. to be you know very very difficult and. and and sometimes you got the best resources. Sometimes you had to um, kind of make do and realize that the needs of the business were going to change and you were going to be able to bring uh, new resources on over time. And, and, you know, whenever you did make a mistake, you had to own up to that mistake. Um, and on that point, that really brings me to the second um, key thing is, is, you know, you have to own your mistakes in this business. I, I joke mm-hmm. around that that, you know, why is it everybody else can make a mistake in this business? But whenever I make a mistake, it costs the business $100,000. <laughs> right. So, so right. It's, uh, it's very, you know, I think, I think understanding and owning your mistakes and, and being, you know, the leader that, that owns that is, is, is really key. Um, so that's, that's huge. And the last one, and I think everybody sort of talks about funding strategy, but, but having built this business on a, on a bootstrap model doesn't mean we didn't have funding. I mean, we had relationships with banks. We had some uh, friends and family money come in. And, and at, at a minimum, if someone is contributing their time to the business, you need to account for that as, as an investment because that's valuable to the business. For, for, for me, um, you know, I'm an old Boy Scout, right? So I always, you know, what's saying, be prepared, right? So I always mm-hmm. have a plan A, which is what we what we go and execute against. If that doesn't work out, you know, I've got a plan B in my back pocket. And and in most situations, especially when it comes around funding or business strategy, you know, I'll have a plan A, B, C, and D um, in my back pocket on really every major part of the business. And I think, you know, balancing um, being committed to one path and and having you know those alternative paths in mind 
um, is is a challenge as a, as a leader, but it's something that has absolutely saved saved us more than once. I, I will say that in 2009, we tried to buy a business, or we did buy a business that was somewhat distressed, and uh, we we couldn't get funding for it. In 2009, no one was was funding uh, companies, so I had a a plan A, B, C, D, and E. We actually got down to plan E. And uh, was able to execute that and, and buy that business and evolve it and integrate into into this one quite effect quite effectively. Well, I you know I liked your three key points. I like the idea of um, not being wedded to a business plan or maybe not even having a business plan. I'm not sure everyone <laughs> right. would agree with you. Um, Second thing you said was surround yourself with people smarter than you. Bring in the talent. Don't be afraid. And you may have to work on getting them on board. And the third thing, thing is having a plan A, B, C, D, and even E. So at so this, this was really good information. And now it is time for a quick break. Um, I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach. And my guest is Charlie Alsmiller talking about the over-under, a story of one entrepreneur's journey with two tech startups. In the next segment, Charlie will now bring us to the present and in the future as to where does he see his business going in another three to five years. And then we'll get into uh, taking a deeper dive into some key points that I like to cover, which is leadership, culture, hiring the right talent. So stay tuned. Are you starting a business, growing a business, or investing in businesses? How well do you stack up to successful entrepreneurs? Do you have the right leadership and talents to build profitable, saleable companies? Find out if you're on the right success track by taking the Entrepreneur Edge and the Emotional Intelligence Profiles. You'll get fast, personalized feedback with your top success factors and the top smart moves to power on and power up your business performance. Start right now. Go to smartmovescoach.com and click on Success Profiles. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. Need a speaker for your next event that will engage, educate, and energize? Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, will quickly capture your audience attention with her enthusiasm, her ability to connect with diverse groups, and her real-world success stories. She creates learning experiences that turn on the light bulbs, trigger innovative ideas, and motivate decisive action. The result? Accelerated leadership performance and business profitability. Schedule a keynote, presentation, or webinar now. Go to smartmovescoach.com forward slash speaking. You're tuned into the Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1 866 472 5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to the business edge. Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Charlie Osmiller, talking about the over-under, a story of one entrepreneur's journey with two tech startups. At the end of the last segment, Charlie brought us um, from the time he started to where he is today and some of the challenges that he was facing, as well as what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? What's the reality? And now we are going to go from the present to the future. So, Charlie, um, what are your future plans? Where do you want your business to be in three to five years from now? Well, Marsha, that's a great question. First off, I'm not going to be retired. Everybody asks me that, but that's certainly not in the cards anytime soon. I just love what I'm doing too much. Um, as far as as far as Aptera goes, we, we are aggressively growing this business. We've, we've built a growth plan uh, that I'll talk about here in a minute, and we're executing that uh, fairly diligently uh, right now. But, but on a personal level, I, I have learned and developed a set of, um, I call them perspectives or methods that that help test ideas in the market very, very quickly and very efficiently. So this process of going out into the market and landing on where we are today is really the result of some, some less efficient testing that we did over the years with a lot of different ideas that didn't work. And I really mm-hmm. plan to continue that process of testing different ideas and focusing in on the ones that, that have the most potential. So in three to five years, I certainly expect Aptera to, to continue to grow um, the ironic thing is, is if I'm effective as a leader, it, it shouldn't need me on a day-to-day basis. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. That's actually <laughs> my objective right now is to, to build repeatable processes and procedures and people and leaders in the company that uh, so much so that, it, that it doesn't need me. And that's, that's hard for a lot of entrepreneurs to, to understand, but that's really uh, where I'm trying to take the business. Yes, and and I agree with you that many entrepreneurs, one of the hardest uh, challenges they have is to start letting go. Uh, and that means letting go of day-to-day operations, letting go of, of maybe some decision-making. Um, but I don't think you have that problem. So um, now we're going to be talking about, um, you know, growing a business. What does it actually entail? So tell me about your plans. Uh, You touched on it uh, a bit uh, right before, but maybe do a little deeper dive in how you plan to grow or expand. Um, Sure. So so last year, I was fortunate enough to be selected for the Goldman Sachs um, growth business program. It's called 10,000 Small Businesses, and it's a little miniature MBA that I I sat in on. And uh, what we built was not a business plan. It was a growth plan. And I had never really sat down and done that level of uh, analysis and structure, and it's a formal document. And uh, it's a growth plan. It's 15, 20 pages. And I shared it with the the management team and the rest of the company and said, guys, this is how we're going to grow the business. And and the the process um, consists of looking at 
you know, what opportunities do you have to grow the business and an objective assessment of the value proposition that your company can can present in, in that opportunity, a detailed financial analysis, including, you know, all the cash you're going to need to address that opportunity. But but for us, we really boiled it down to three things. One, and it was all about sales, sales and marketing. Uh, we have a very strong uh, execution capability. We have very scalable processes from an operation perspective. We already support thousands of companies in our product and our in our um, support processes and our infrastructure. All that's been built. So for us, it's really about getting the word out. And we wanted to get that word out in three key ways. The first was through um, digital engagement. So marketing and, and sales today is really quite different than it was five years ago. It used to be you could hire, you know, some um, uh, knuckle dragon bag carrying sales guys <laughs> and and uh, and let them go out and just sell on their relationships. And that doesn't that doesn't work anymore today. You have to to engage with customers um, digitally, and and that requires quite a bit of investment. And so we invested uh, in a very uh, solid web presence that has a, a lot of features that allow the customers to go in and educate themselves. And there's a, a ROI calculator. And, and uh, what's happening behind the scenes is <clears throat> we're actually measuring, you know, all of the activity of each of those um, visitors, if you will, and we're scoring them. And so, so we're really pushing as much of that upfront engagement and and the, the qualifying and the convincing the customer that we know what we're doing out to a digital, um, kind of a digital experience. And that's, um, we're in the early phases of having that rolled out. We rolled out the first phase last month, and we're, we're excited about the initial results. Um, the second part um, really is to expand our channel sales capability. So we've started selling our software through other software companies. And so they, we have a very specialized need. There are many software companies that have lots of customers that also need this. And uh, so we've been uh, forming alliances with those software companies to resell our product. Sometimes we'll brand our product as their product so they can offer it to their customers mm-hmm. and protect their brand. Um, and then, you know, the last piece is is really building a scalable, very, very efficient um, people um, machine in the back end to, to really operate this digital factory, if you will, of, of sales and marketing. Well, you know, th- I, and I think that's really where you're at, which is you have, as you said, you have the execution down, you have the processes down, you have the services, you have lots of your customers, but how do you get the word out? And certainly being on the business edge is one of the ways to get that word out. Exactly. Um, exactly. Okay. Um, now I want to take a deeper dive. And my, my whole uh, focus and what I love talking to entrepreneurs about and working with them is on leadership. And um, I, I'm sure all entrepreneurs face a variety of leadership issues, when, especially when they move from a startup venture to a more established business. So um, can you give some examples of that, uh, whether you want to talk about your own personal leadership, developing a culture? Um, what are some of the things that you are struggling with or have struggled with in terms of that big area of leadership? <clears throat> Um, a- a- absolutely, and I want to start with some advice that I got in my first 
failed startup from from a very wise man who's our chairman, Sam Smith, and he he was watching me in the early phases of that business, and I was trying to do everything like most early entrepreneurs do. And he sat down and he looked at me and he said, "You know what?" He goes, "You'll be more effective the less that you do." And I was I was sort of taken back, and I didn't really understand it at that time. And but over the years, I've really started to um, internalize that and, and realize that um, he's not telling me to be lazy, right? He's not telling me uh, not to work on the business. What he's telling me is is not to work in the business. And you hear that a lot in entrepreneurial circles: work on the business, not in the business. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was saying, and that's a, a little saying that I keep telling myself all the time is, you know, Charlie, you'll be more effective the the less that you do. Um, But as far as as how, you know, your relationship as an entrepreneur and your leadership changes, um, it really changes with the the life cycle of the business in a fairly dramatic way, right? And and the best Mm -hmm. analogy I've come up with so far is is really that of parenting, right? I have two daughters and one of them is uh, one of them's off at school and the other's just graduated and started her first job. So so we've seen that life cycle and and how our relationship and our jobs as parents have changed over the years, but you know, in in the infancy infancy stage of a business you have to do everything. I mean, you have to feed it. You got to change its diaper. You've got to take <laughs> out the trash. I mean, you've got to do everything, right? And and I think some people do kind of get stuck in that. And and in my opinion, that's just that's just glorified self-employment, right? And that doesn't really you know help you build a business. And then you know you move into early childhood and teenage years, and and you know you're still teaching the business the basics, and but you're still also got to make sure that the 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 business is doing what it needs to do. You you know you're getting the business to school on time, for lack of a better analogy, right? Um, and then, you know, as it, as it grows, it starts to develop an opinion, right? And and that's good. It means you've hired good people, and it, it kind of becomes this rebellious teenager, young adult, and, and you know, your your job is to back off and, and coach, and at some point, you're, you know, you're doing more coaching than you are um, dictating how things are done, but you always reserve that parent card where you can come in and say, you know what, I can make this decision for you, but I would prefer you to make this decision for yourself. And I, and I think over, over time, um, you know, in the last 10 years, I've seen my role with, with this business change uh, fairly dramatically you know, in that. And, and I certainly haven't gotten it all right, but, but I've had some really smart people around me to kind of call me out when, hey, you know, Charlie, you, you don't need to be on that demo, you know, go off and, and to the beach and, and hang out. And, and what I will tell you, <laughs> when your company tells you to go to the beach, that's a pretty good thing. The, the, the last two years, I actually took a 10-day vacation in the mountains where I didn't have my, my phone. And, you know, I thought my head was going to explode the first few days. And, and uh, you know, I got back into the and, into camp and I had 300 emails. And, and quite frankly, only one of them really required my attention. And it, it wasn't even urgent. So that was really kind of an epiphany moment for me um, that mm-hmm. we could, um, you know, the business could operate without, without me. But but uh, the two things that have made this normal process – this is hard enough when you're all in the same room. The two things that have made this really, really difficult for us as a software company is we are uh, – we really embrace a virtual workforce. So we have um, you know people all over the world. We have people in Asia. We have, we have our, our chief architect lives in uh, uh, Florida. He lives on the mm-hmm. beach and works on the beach. Uh, I live in Dallas. My COO lives here in Dallas, but he travels. Our head of support lives in Houston. We've got – two really key guys that live in Canada. Um, so it's, it's, 
trying to build a, a, a virtual slash global culture that is aligned is is even more difficult when you're already dealing with this this life cycle issue. And the, and the way we've addressed it is, you know, rightly or wrongly, we've really embraced technology and in the various presence technologies, you know, messaging and video conferencing and all that stuff where um, it's really pretty neat. And at any given point in time, you know, I can log in and, you know, see everybody online and we can, you know, pop a message and, you know, have a quick conversation. That's really been um, – but it still makes for a challenge to to keep everybody aligned, being physically separated the way we are. You know, you brought up a really uh, very good point here, and I want to talk a little bit more about it, which is uh, more and more companies are dealing with virtual teams. In fact, I'll be doing a webinar for one of the companies on um, uh, managing a, a virtual team effectively. So you have the technology, okay? Uh, and you can have instant communication. Um, and But you said the last point, you know, you said it was keeping everyone aligned. Um, how do you do that? For example, do you uh, bring in people periodically to a central place where they do, can do face-to-face? Um, do you have some traditions or rituals in the company that um, – promotes the culture. What role do you play? Now, I know this is, uh, maybe we haven't, you and I haven't talked about it, but uh, something to think about. So do you have any ideas about that? Is how do you get people aligned and, and uh, focus on the culture when they are geographically dispersed? So, so the, the key, and, and we're really too large now to have sort of one team esprit de corps, if you will, but the key is to, to really um, leverage the, the idea of teams that, that uh, self-govern each other. Mm. So, so mm-hmm. what we do is we say, this is our objective. You team, you know, you support team, this is your objective. You development team, this is your objective. You sales team, this is your objective. And really have those teams self-govern as much as possible towards those goals. And, you know, we've learned on this, you know, many times is, is the best method to do a, a morning, you know, stand-up quick status call. Is it, is it um, best to do a, a quick email? What is, you know, and frankly, I let those teams define what works best for them. Um, in that situation. So um, at the end of the day, you know, I can't manage 10 teams like that. Um, I can only do it with one or two. And, and what I really want is for the team itself to own the process that they use to, to create those results. And we just have a minute or two left. That says to me that when you give that autonomy to the team, you better have good people on the team. How do you make that happen? How do you make sure you have good people on the team? And you have about two minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, again, this has all been a learning process for us. And, and uh, again, what we've evolved to is the team selects the team members. Uh-huh. And, and while, yeah, so, so what's happening now is, is there's quite a, a rigid selection process that the team members go through, and they really have to be accepted by um, each other. And and so uh, what also happens in that situation is if a team member comes in and isn't performing for whatever reason, um, the team is is um, bought into their success, right? So they mm-hmm. they brought them in, they support them, and so they're going to support that person 
um, as much as they can. And and if there's if there's really a, a situation where that that um, employee or that team member um, can't or won't perform, uh, the the team really does the self selecting, and uh, many times they will you know resign themselves or or whatever. So it's it's um, the goal is to is to have a, a self governing you know team environment like that that selects the the best team members, but also uh, eliminates you know votes the votes the members off the island, if you will, <laughs> for uh, for the for the right um, for the right job. Does that make sense? Well. I think you've made it within 30 seconds. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, listeners, it's time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Charlie Altsmiller, talking about the over-under, a story of one's entrepreneur's journey with two tech startups. Um, in the next segment, Charlie will whoops, oops, will give his wisdom in terms of some do's and don'ts and what was his biggest aha moment. So you're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. Are you starting a business, growing a business, or investing in businesses? How well do you stack up to successful entrepreneurs? Do you have the right leadership and talents to build profitable, saleable companies? Find out if you're on the right success track by taking the Entrepreneur Edge and the Emotional Intelligence Profiles. You'll get fast, personalized feedback with your top success factors and the top smart moves to power on and power up your business performance. Start right now. Go to smartmovescoach.com and click on Success Profile. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. Need a speaker for your next event that will engage, educate, and energize? Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, will quickly capture your audience's attention with her enthusiasm, her ability to connect with diverse groups, and her real-world success stories. She creates learning experiences that turn on the light bulbs, trigger innovative ideas, and motivate decisive action. The result? Accelerated leadership performance and business profitability. Schedule a keynote, presentation, or webinar now. Go to smartmovescoach.com forward slash speaking. You're tuned into the Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. 
to reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to the business edge. Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Zeidel, a Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Charlie Alsmiller, talking about the over-under, a story of one entrepreneur's journey with two tech startups. And in the last segment, Charlie really got into, did a deep dive in what some of the challenges and issues are, especially in terms of leadership and how that role has to change. And he even used the analogy of parenting, which I certainly can um, relate to. But now we're going to get into some of the quick you know, some ideas that uh, key ideas that Charlie wants to pass on to budding entrepreneurs or those who are growing their business. So first, Charlie, in your entrepreneurial journey, what has been your biggest aha? <laughs> I, I think I already hit on the biggest one, but I'm going to say it again. It's first off, it's realizing that that, you know, I don't have to be everything and I don't have to do everything for the business. And in fact, the irony of business ownership is if you do everything, you actually diminish the value of your business. So if you have a business that produces and, and produces predictably by itself without you constantly per, pushing it along, it is, it is more valuable than one in which you have to do that. And that's such a big mentality shift from how uh, most people who are working in corporate America uh, work. I used to work at one of the big consulting firms, and um, it was a, a very um, difficult environment. It was a very competitive environment, and, and one of my colleagues, She's still a good friend today, but she had on her screensaver every day, how have you added value today? And and it was a constant um, sort of process to make sure you were personally adding value into the business and you were perceived as as valuable. Um, That is not the case when you own your own business. It's about how does the business add value? And you have to, it takes a person has to have some confidence to sort of step out of themselves and, and be okay with that and, and not be the center of the business and allow mm-hmm. others to get the spotlight. So to me, that is absolutely huge. And, and I see a lot of entrepreneurs that, that you know, perhaps don't have that confidence and, and the ability to, to step out of themselves and, and celebrate the success of their business and not so much the success of themselves. So that's, um, that's really the biggest, biggest piece. And um, yes, it is no longer when you're no longer focused on yourself, but focused on your business. And I'll take it even one step further, focused on your customers, focused on your employees, focused on your community so that it spreads out. And that's where success is. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So so let's move on then. Um, What advice or words of wisdom would you give to entrepreneurs in starting or growing a business? What are some do's and don'ts? Um, that you you have learned and would like to pass on. <laughs> so so I'll start with the do column, and I do think I have a much longer don't column based on my my own experience. But but let's start with the do's. Um, the first is absolutely 
get your family on board. This is not something you're doing by yourself. Your entire family is going to be impacted. You're not going to be sleeping at two in the morning and you're going to keep your wife awake or your husband awake or your kids awake, or, or you're not going to be able to go to um, an event because you have to fly somewhere. And, and it's just get them on board. And when I say get them on board, over communicate with them. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things all entrepreneurs struggle with, uh, at least I think is, is on entrepreneurial fear. While they may appear confident on the outside, they're probably <laughs> secretly, you know, screaming inside uh, of, of, of fear, right? And, and one of the things uh, that your spouse doesn't have and your family doesn't have is all of the small cues you get all day long that you're not crazy, right? You get cues, like a oh, customer says, oh, that's cool. Or, you know, some marketplace stories, you know, validates your idea and it, it drives you forward. Your spouse doesn't have that. Um, depending on your spouse's personality, um, that fear can, can become overwhelming for them. So my, my biggest do is to bring them along with the journey and realize that, um, you know, you're going to impact them. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed to have had, you know, the same family for this whole time and, and you know, 30 years with, this, with the same uh, spouse, Mary. And uh, a lot of entrepreneurs don't survive that. And I think that's really, really, you know, critical to understand how um, the fear impacts your, your family. Uh, the second is... Uh, let me just interject something because I know you want to get into something else, but I want to re... I want to... Um, um, talk to that point and reinforce it. Um, A number of years ago, I did outplacement, and one of the big uh, tech companies here in Dallas was uh, had major layoffs of their technical staff. And I was working in a career center, and I was, you know, working with one of their engineers. And um, he decided that he was going to go into business, and he was going to flip houses. He was going to go buy, you know, distressed houses, uh, refurbish them and sell them. Um, and one of the t- one time he came to me during a coaching session, he says, you know, my wife's on my back. I mean, she's really not supporting me, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And my question to him was, well, what, what have you told your wife? Does she know what you're trying to do? Does she right. see the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel? And he looked at me and he said, no. I said, then, Go do it. <laughs> and the next time he came back and, and he they had a they actually went away and they had a, a time together where they where she understood he understood her fears and she understood what he was trying to do. So really key point. Um, now moving on, I, I did interrupt you. So where were you gonna give another do or were you gonna get into the don'ts? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give one more do and a couple of okay. don'ts. And uh, okay. the, the first the first one is um, you know, everybody talks about KPIs, but you really need to, to don't overdo it with your APIs. I mean, for, for me, we have two to three KPIs that, that I watch managing the business. And I, I know if these two numbers are pointing in the right direction, the business is doing some of the right things. And you've got to define those early on and, if, and watch them. And, you know, trust your gauges, if, if you will. You know, people talk about pilots, you know, flying by, flying by you know, by instruments, if you will. But, you know, trust in the early stages, you're, you're flying a bit by, by instinct and you're, mm-hmm. you're operating based on, hey, you know, I just had a good meeting. That's great. Was that meeting progress towards a sale or was it a good meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you have mm-hmm. to 
to start to really trust your, your gauges. Okay, well, we had 10 meetings last week, and then we had two follow-on meetings, and we had one proposal. So those are your, those are your numbers, right? Don't confuse a meeting, you know, with, with progress, right? That's one example of that. So that's really um, key. And I already talked about the having at least three or four plans um, for each of your major <laughs> businesses. So those, those are key. So on the, don't, on the don'ts, Certainly, um, and, and the biggest, um, don't ignore the market. Don't, and, and don't, you know, uh, there's going to be another, well, there's going to be unexpected events. You know, what hit me was 9-11. What hit me was 2008. What, what hit me was a competitor coming out with a product that looks very similar to my own. You know, expect that those things are going to happen. I think a lot of, of entrepreneurs get get very, very myopic about their plans and they're, they're, they've gotten used to not listening to anybody. Uh, just because we're we're a stubborn breed, right? We're everybody's telling us we're stupid anyway in the early phases of the business. So you, you get in get in the habit of not listening. Well, be very very careful of not listening. And you know, if somebody you know takes the time to to tell you something or the market gives you a cue, uh, don't ignore it. So those are the those are the key big ones. I, I could probably go on and on, but I don't think we have time for that. Well, the really good um, uh, do's and don'ts. And now the final question, which I like to ask all entrepreneurs who are on the show is, from your experience, as well as knowing others, what are the top three traits successful entrepreneurs have? So so number, number one, when, when I first started this business, I was um, uh, not in the best of shape. And uh, I'm, I'm calling this stamina, right? And this has not. This isn't just physical stamina. This is mental stamina. This is, this is staying, you know, up until you know two in the morning to get a proposal out that needs to be done. This is this is mental stamina. This is a long game. Um, if you've ever run a long marathon or a long hike or any number of different things, I think you know what I'm talking about. You're uh-huh. you're going and you're going and you're going. Um, it's it's emotional and and physical stamina. You've got to have that. And if, if you're not prepared physically for it, um, you need to get prepared physically for it. So go, you know, hire a trainer, go to a gym, whatever it is you need to do. Um, start the day off, you know, with with making yourself strong um, and making sure that, that you're taking care of your body and your mind. That's really, really key because you won't, I, I've, I've been amazed at how if my mind isn't clear, my body isn't clear, I'm not able to make the, the decisions that I, I need to make. But if I'm nourished and I'm exercised, I make much better decisions. So that's, uh, that's number one. Um, and I can't emphasize that one enough. That's probably the biggest one. The second is um, you really have to have a strong network, right? Because I can't begin to count the number of people that have helped make this business what it is. And, and you know, while I get to kind of sit at the top of it and say, hey, you know, we, I built this, it's a we built this. And it's not just the people in the business. It's it's your your friends, your colleagues, your networks, the people that you called early on and said, hey, will you take a meeting with me? And they took a meeting with you and, and told you you were crazy and, and or didn't, you know, and, and it made, maybe made an introduction or whatever. Um, those things are absolutely essential. Um, you You've got to have a strong network in your industry, and, and I say a network of people that know you and trust you and believe in you. Um, without that, we wouldn't have gotten very far, quite frankly. So that was that was really um, huge. And then the last one is <clears throat> know-how in, in your industry. So, you know, I, I'm a software guy, 
right? I'm a, <laughs> and specifically, I'm a software as a services guy. I don't invest in restaurants, okay? I'm, I'm not going to start a, a, a which which franchise, <laughs> right? right? Or I'm right. not going to I'm not going to do lawn services or <clears throat> retail or consumer products or pet you know service walking services. I'm not going to do any of that. <clears throat> those are all great businesses, I'm sure, for somebody who knows what they're doing. But I don't know anything about those businesses. I don't know about real estate. What I do know is I know software and I know it really well. And I know how to build businesses around that. So I think when somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know what, I'm, uh, you know, I'm an accountant at this, this accounting firm over here, and I want to start a video game company, I, you know, I tell them, you know, look, you know, I think you need to then maybe take a reality check here because, you know, there's so many little tricks in every business right. and, and, and just so many little nuances. And, and, you know, why would you try to go learn that on your own? So that to me is the, the top three. Um, and, you know, and I'm going to stop like said, right I'm going to stop you right there because we did three, and they're really good three, top three. But now I want to move on to um, how can, you know, I want to thank you so much. This has been absolutely fascinating for me. I loved interviewing you. and uh, But I'm sure listeners may want to contact you and find out more um, <clears throat> about you and your company. So how can they contact you and maybe give your website and things like that? Sure, sure. Well, to, to back up, uh, you know, Aptera's mission is to help companies connect with their customers and suppliers and, and create these seamless business processes be- between them. And it's a really exciting um, area. Most software, um, at least that I've been experienced with over the years, has focused on um, helping companies automate their internal processes. So maybe mm-hmm. a CRM process or accounting process or production process. We really focus on helping um, companies automate their external processes. And it's really been a theme through my entire career is to to help companies create seamless processes across multiple organizations. So um, we actually write quite a bit uh, on our blog. Certainly, you're you're welcome to go to aptera.com. That's A-P-P-T-E-R-R-A. We've got all kinds of resources out there, including the the online business case generator that I talked uh, about. You can subscribe to our blog. We talk about a lot of emerging technologies technologies like blockchain, how some of those things are going to come up and, and uh, impact this, this world of, of collaboration. I also have a private blog, which is uh, linked. It's b2bcollaboration.me. And uh, you can certainly uh, email me, charlie at aptera.com, or also I'm, I'm also on Twitter. It's callsmiller, C-A-L-S-M-I-L-L-E-R. So We'd love to hear from uh, anybody um, on this. Um, we, we actually do have some guest bloggers occasionally, so if you have something interesting to say, we'd love to hear from you. Well, again, thank you so much, Charlie, and um, I hope to have you back. I want to see the pro- progress of your uh, Aptera and how you're doing. So let's get to next week's program to bring more magic to your leadership and business, and it's Bridging the Gap Between Baby Boomers and Millennials. My guest is Jason Criddle, angel investor and CEO of the Smart App Company. He has published over 20 books and consults with entrepreneurs to help them expand sales, inspire employees, and improve the overall culture. 
Tune in for another entrepreneur's journey, as well as a conversation between a millennial, Jason, and a baby boomer, Marsha. It's July 15th at noon Pacific, 3 uh, p.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidel, the smart moose coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidel, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.